Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. You're in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. And we are live at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I, when I say welcome back, I truly mean welcome back to Indianapolis on a couple of different notes. One, it seems like years ago, but the last time the Raiders were here, they came into the Indianapolis right across the street over at Lucas Oil Stadium and beat the Colts in a game nobody thought that the Raiders were going to win. They're really super sharp charge. Uh, their playoff push, and end up getting into the playoffs. That seems like years ago, and so much has changed since the Raiders' 23-20 or win over at Lucas Oil Stadium. A new coaching staff, a new general manager, a new front office, essentially. So much has changed in just eight weeks, two months, since the Raiders last visited here and the last time I was here. But even go back a couple of years to 2020, Remember, this is the first scouting combine since the pandemic. The last one was at the beginning of 2020. That really marked the last official, truly regular um, NFL function before everything got closed down. And I want to stay on that note real quick. And by the way, we have a great show uh, for you uh, coming up. Uh, um, We've got Greg Bedard from the Boston Sports Journal. He's going to come in uh, to the huddle and talk to us about where he thinks the Raiders are headed and some keys to keep an eye on. Remember, Greg has covered Josh McDaniels. He's covered Dave Ziegler, the new general manager. He has an intimate um, knowledge of sort of how they go about things. And I think it's pertinent because I think the Raiders are going to follow the blueprint um, that they that those two uh, you know people established in New England. But then also Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus will come in at five o'clock uh, into the huddle. He wrote a unique story and a, an extremely valuable story, really. Uh, He kind of got into the nuts and bolts of what should we really be paying attention to here at the Combine in terms of statistics and measurements and um, marks that these players are going to get, whether it's the 40-yard dash, the bench press, the short shuttle. What should we really be focusing on and what really should, um, should fans and teams pay attention to in terms of numbers and statistics and measurements that actually correlate to football success over the years. He did a really detailed article on that, uh, Kevin Cole did for Pro Football Focus, and I can't wait to share it with you because there's some surprises, there's some things that maybe um, you know you already knew was the case, but needed some, some you know uh, somebody to substantiate it. Uh, Kevin Cole certainly has done that for Pro Football Focus. Can't wait to talk to him at five o'clock. But just going back to the combine and the first one since the pandemic, it was so cool today walking around the convention center without masks on, um, being able to to talk to friends, talk to colleagues, coaches, general managers that spoke today uh, without really um, the complications and some of the provisions that we've uh, got, kind of gotten used to through the pandemic. And I'm not making a political statement whatsoever actually making a statement of it's just great to see things starting to get back to normal and I'm gonna pat the NFL on the back here uh, and all the 32 organizations including the Raiders for all the lengths that they took 
at the start of this back in 2020 to help make sure that we've gotten to this point. And when I say the NFL getting to this point from an NFL perspective, you know, talking to people today, it's, it was, it's uncanny. And we talked about it at the time, how the NFL was sort of leading the charge. It really, truly was. They have tremendous, and when I say tremendous, I'm not exaggerating, doctors and scientists on their side. They went out and invested in that and let the science dictate the action and the timeline and what they were going to do and how they were going to uh, approach things. Not one game was lost. Think about that. The NFL did not lose one game. Yeah, there were some postponements and had to reshuffle it. Oh, you know, not the end of the world type stuff. They got through it. They listened to the doctors. They paid attention to the statistics and the science. And it was a hassle, no doubt about it. We all, Q, me, uh, Damon, when he would come out to games, but going over to the practice facility, all the hoops that you had to jump to be there um, and the precautions that were taking, was it a hassle? Yes, of course, it was a hassle. But guess what? It was teamwork, too. You know, you don't get someplace without teamwork and without a little bit of sacrifice. Some did it a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, reluctantly than others did it more enthusiastically. But the point is the NFL was kind of a guiding light. And there were people from the CDC and, and, and government that kind of looked at the NFL and said, that's who we sort of have to follow here um, and, and follow that lead. And, and, and they did. And it's gotten us to this point where it felt normal today in Indianapolis. It felt like it always felt before. And I'm not saying that we're not going to take a step back because, again, science is science and it's dictating this whole thing. Um, and, and maybe, let's hope not, but maybe there will be a spike or some sort of thing where we have to pull it back a little bit. But so far, so good. It's been a long couple of years uh, and we've all gone through a lot. But really, I was kind of getting emotional walking around today thinking about how far we've come and the progress that's been made. And more and more, we're starting to get back to normal. California's about ready to lift their uh, mask mandates uh, indoors. Uh, you don't have to show you vaccination cards anymore to, to get into restaurants. That's happening pretty quickly. Um, let's just hope and pray and whatever it is that you do and whoever it is that you talk to and take the lead from, keeping your fingers crossed, whatever it is that you have to do, let's all have positive energy about this that we can continue to move forward it's a beautiful thing and just seeing that commission today um and and can't wait to get back out there tomorrow josh mcdaniels is talking uh, from the raiders uh the new raiders head coach getting a chance to talk to him but just seeing things get back to normal is just it's really um it's it's emotional and it's great i love it uh gonna go out to the raider nation listener line raider 27 is online how you doing raider 27 hey Vinny, man what's going on I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I'm having a great afternoon today. Um, Beautiful. This really really isn't on topic of anything right now, but, you know, all through the last, well, through the Gruden regime, mm -hmm. I, I just thought something was wrong with the strength and conditioning department. We just had too many injuries. I don't know whether uh, Gruden ran him too hard in practice and didn't let him rest or if the strength and conditioning program wasn't um, um, focused on preventing injury. Um, can you tell me when uh, McDaniels took over, he changed a lot of the coaching staff. Did, did he change up the strength and conditioning um, coaches and 
and people will run that? I don't know that for sure yet. I'm assuming yes, because basically everything, uh, aside from Edgar Bennett, really, to be honest with you, on the coaching staff so far has been changed. I don't know that to be the case officially. Uh, the Raiders, to be honest with you, haven't really announced any of their uh, assistant coaches yet. I think they're going to wait till they get everything put in place before um, they put it out there officially for everybody, um, you know, from, from A to Z in terms of the assistant coaches. So uh, waiting on word on that. And last I checked, in terms of position coaches, and this may have changed since the last time I checked, but the last time I checked, uh, they were short a tight ends coach. Everything else so far is covered in terms of the main guys uh, that are going to coach certain positions. Now, each position nowadays has an assistant to the uh, to, to the position coach, so that still needs to be uh, come to fruition. But in terms of linebackers coach, you know, secondary coach, um, defensive line coach, offensive line coach, on and on and on, everything has been covered so far. Uh, excluding the tight ends coach, and so we're waiting on word on that. I don't know about the strength and conditioning coach. One thing about, you know, going back to John Gruden, um, he was actually ahead of his time, believe it or not. I know a lot of, and he would he would joke about this sometimes with me. You know, uh, I, I know a lot of people thought he was like old school, old school. He really wasn't. You got to remember that John Gruden, when he first came up, was on the cusp of uh, being new. He was one of the younger coaches to ever, you know, get a, get an NFL gig. And so he was like the young guy leading the way with all the new fancy ideas somewhere along the line. And he would like scoff at this sometimes and sort of sarcastically pointed out somewhere along the line, it sort of overlapped him. Well, the reality is, and, and in terms of perception, but the reality is when you're talking about practice structure and how he handled guys and giving them veteran days off, he was doing that back in the 90s, man, and into the early 20s, and continued to do that since I've been covering the Raiders. Um, he had a really good hand, and I know that he leaned on um, his training staff on that and all the numbers and all that kind of stuff in order to manage guys. Look, I don't know what the situation was with the injuries, and I, I, I've always felt like this as well. I think fans sometimes hyper... Uh, pay attention to their team. So, um, and by that I mean they think that everything is either unusual or this or that or too much of this or not enough of that. When in reality, if they would take the that they that they um, expend watching their team with the devoutness that they do and switch it to another team, they would understand that mm, it's not all that unusual. What's happening to the Raiders? versus the Steelers or the Giants or the Patriots. Everybody goes through pretty much the same thing. Now, that doesn't mean that things can't be done better. That doesn't mean there's a different way, a better way. Uh, and everybody has their ideas about how to pursue that and how to accomplish that. So, um, you know, uh, I'm not saying that there's any, that there's no correlation between what the Raiders were doing and maybe some of the injuries that they were suffering. I just, I just don't think that, look at Trent Brown, <laughs> went to New England, top of the line everything, right? How many games did Trent Brown play last year? He played eight. How many games did he play his his first year with the uh, with, with the Raiders? I think eight, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe a little bit, a few more. But the bottom line is, through his career, two-year career with the Raiders, I think he played 16 of the 32 games uh, that was available to him. So 
He did the same exact thing in New Orleans. So, you know, I can't sit here and say that the training staff or the strength and conditioning staff was the result of some of these injuries. I think it was just bad luck in football, basically, um, you know, playing playing a, a role in that. We're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listen line. Ryan is in Missouri. How are you doing, Ryan, in the Show Me State? Hey, Vinny, baby, what's going on? I'm doing good, brother. Yeah, um, you know, I had a question about the Hall of Fame game because yeah. I'm, I'm part of Raider Nation, and I take it personal. He already attacked our coach, our organization. We see it in the schedule every year. Finding Max Crosby. And now they give us the Hall of Fame game. But if you want to, when we got a new coach, new front office, we got to rekindle our entire roster, why would they showcase us like that? It can't be because of Cliff Branch. If you want to show somebody's franchise off, you wait till they get established, get the coach in there, and things of that nature. And I hear you, you know, I understand where you are, and you're holding up Roger Goodell's government right now. And I'm wondering, what is your thoughts on this Hall of Fame game and giving this to us now? When we're at our worst moment, it's going to be the first uh, preseason game I mean, if you don't want to clown an organization, why would he do this? Everything he's been showing is he wants to make a mockery out the Raiders, and I take that personal. What's your thought? All right, okay, all right. Um, I, I hear you, man. All right, but I'm going to ask you something, Ryan in Missouri. What did the Raiders do last year to, to for you to think that they're on their they're, they're like you got one foot in the grave and whatnot? They what did they do last year? You tell me what the Raiders' record was last year and what they accomplished last year. You tell me, Ryan in Missouri. I want it from your last year. Last year we we made we made the playoffs in spite of all the obstacles, including Roger Goodell and and the way he uh, set up our schedule for collapse at the end. You can look at those games, and it's overtly. The NFL tried to set up a collapse. You look at the story with Kansas City. But in spite of all those efforts, being fine, getting rid of uh, Gruden, all those things, we still did well. But now we have to bounce back again, and we're going to do that, and we're headed we're for great things. But why would you, if you want to highlight a franchise, why would you do it now? Why won't you wait till Josh... Uh, is in there for about three years. We got all our defensive players for the three four. We got all our offensive players. I, I hear you, Ryan. I, I, I hear you, Ryan. I, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Um, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, duly noted. But I gotta disagree so wholeheartedly that I, I'm, I'm about ready to jump out a window right here. The Raiders are headed in the right direction. They're okay. You're acting like they're on their last breath or something like that, Ryan. They made the playoffs last year. They were one play away from pushing the Bengals to overtime potentially. And the Bengals represented the AFC in the Super Bowl. Number one. Number two, showcasing the Raiders. Brother, it's the first preseason game of the year. Do you realize how many players are not going to play in that game? When you're talking about showcasing the Raiders, the last thing I'm thinking about is the first preseason game of the year. You're not going to get anybody but some rookies and some guys that are trying to make the team. So get that thought out of your head. This isn't a showcase event 
for the Raiders organization. You're not going to see any of the star players in that game, number two. Number three, just like the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, they've got a guy going in, a former Raider, uh, Jaguar player, Tony Baselli, the first ever uh, Hall of Famer for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's going in. This is a celebration for the organization history. Not this moment, but the history. When you have... Cliff Branch going into the Hall of Fame finally and deservedly so after so many years where uh, the Hall of Fame voters just didn't do their jobs, if you're asking me. Richard Seymour, who had some pretty damn good years um, with the Raiders, uh, at, at, you know, going into the Hall of Fame. I know he, he's, a, he's part Patriot, part Raider, but he had some really good years for the Raiders. And so he, he deserves to be somebody that the Raiders recognize and is recognized as a Raider and Hall of Famer. So I just don't, and, and the whole thing about the NFL conspiring against the Raiders uh, last year, I don't buy it, number one. And number two, be happy with what the team accomplished in spite of it all. Some of it self-inflicted, some of it just, just lightning bolts out of the sky. They showed so much wherewithal, so much fight, so much uh, togetherness in spite of it all and accomplished something pretty darn good in making the playoffs and I think setting the foundation for future success. So I'm not sitting here thinking the Raiders are some team that's desolate right now. This is a team that's on the verge and with some key moves this offseason can take a mighty big step forward uh, as well. You want to celebrate that. I don't... I wouldn't, if I was a Raider fan, and I'm not, but if I was a Raider fan, I wouldn't be running away from this team. I wouldn't be ashamed of this team or, well, let's wait a couple of years before this team goes on a big stage. Bring the biggest stage and, and as many of them to the Raiders. I think they're actually going to respond to those challenges. I really do. I don't think they're far away at all. Back out to the Raider Nation list line. Alan is in Vegas. My good friend, Alan from Vegas. How you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, Vinny. How are you? Doing really good, thanks. Hey, uh, question on the draft. Um, I read a couple of days ago that Matt Corral and one of the quarterbacks will not be throwing at the draft uh, for whatever reason. I noticed in the last combine, a couple of quarterbacks didn't throw either. Um, how much stock goes into that when coaches or scouts fly out there to watch, especially the quarterback, throw or not throw? Is that of any importance? Well, you have to look at each case individually. In Matt's case, he's coming off an injury. He's coming off an injury. He shouldn't have even played probably uh, in, I think it was the bowl game, right, um, where he was kind of limping around out there. Had it not been a big game for, for, the, for, for that school and all that type of stuff, he, he probably shouldn't have played in it. But he did because he's a warrior. Um, so in his case, he's not shying away from competition. He's not saying, no, nah, man, I'm bigger than this, and I'm not going to do it, so uh, catch me someplace else at my pro day because uh, I'm too big for that. It's nothing like that. If that was the case, yeah, I think there would be some, some eyebrows raised. I think anybody who just refuses or, or declines an opportunity to compete on their own behalf, if everything's good, if they're healthy, if they're, if they're good to go, if they've got... Um, you know, everybody's signing off on it, and 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 they're they're ready to do it physically. If you're not if you're not willing to compete for yourself, and this is competition now, don't think it isn't. This is a big job interview that's going on right now here in Indianapolis. And somebody like a Matt Corral, he's got a lot to prove. You know, there's there's people who like him. There's people who have uh, questions about him. Uh, he's a guy that would be out there if he could physically do it. So I don't blame him, and I don't think anybody in the NFL is questioning that. They'll catch up to him at some point. Uh, when he's 
uh, better suited physically to, to show what he's capable of doing uh, at his pro day. Now, if you're asking me when there's fully, completely healthy dudes that back out, yeah, I think there are teams that look at that a little bit uh, on the negative side. They're like, well, why wouldn't you come out here? What are you afraid of? Is there something about you, about your game that you're trying to hide from everybody? Are you not willing to get up there uh, and, 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 and put your best forward for yourself? Because this is what this is all about. This is no more team. That'll, you know, that's been put on pause. College, you're fighting for your team. Obviously, you're fighting for yourself. We all are to some extent, no matter what your job is. But at the same time, you're also fighting for your team. When you get to the NFL, it's yourself and the and the team, obviously, and, and that won't change. But right now, this is all about each individual player out there trying to put their best foot forward. Are they willing to compete? Are they willing to get out there with their you know 300 other colleagues that are pursuing and chasing the same dream? And sometimes for you know each position group, a draft spot, which is valuable. There's lots of money involved, depending on where you're going to get drafted. If you're not willing to fight for yourself in that regard and you're completely healthy, I'd kind of look at you a little bit differently, to be honest with you. It would be part of my equation. I'm not saying it would complete the equation, but I would be like, huh, something's up with that. Let me go dig a little bit deeper and find out what. Back out to the Raider Nation listen line. Eden is in El Paso. How are you doing, Eden in El Paso? I love El Paso. Hey, Vinny, how are you? Uh, Good. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, I just want to say thank you and Q and Damon, everything you guys do. I listen to you guys when I'm at work, um, delivering mail here. So uh, I know you guys gave a shout-out to the carriers uh, last time, so I appreciate that. Yes. Um, no, I was just calling because the other guy was calling about, uh, I think I forgot, from uh, Missouri, about the Raiders and, uh, like, the preseason game with the Jaguars. And I'm like, to, us, to me, I feel like it's an opportunity to, sh- to have the team just uh, – show what they have you know like it's not like that showcase it's really to mold the team it's an, an opportunity for us to keep growing and with the new staff that we have the new team that we have so i'm kind of really tired of the whole uh oh we're the raiders and it feels against us i mean we're the raiders like i think we're higher than a lot of other teams and that's why we're putting these positions to showcase what we have so i just wanted to say that and, yeah and i I'm agree also, and, and yeah. go ahead Eden. no 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 i was gonna say uh uh, with the with the draft and whatnot, I was just hoping like I hope we uh, trade back our first pick because there's so I feel like there's more talent in the second, third, fourth round that we can even get in the first round. I mean, there's definitely talent in the first round, but I really hope that with this new regime, like we do it smart and get really great quality players from second to fifth or whatnot because there is a lot of great receivers that we can get, like a Sky Moore, even Olave if we wanted to with the first pick, but then also great offensive linemen. Like, this is really a good draft for us to really be able to build on what we already had last year. I agree, uh, Eden. And a couple of things to piggyback on on what you said, and thanks for the call. Don't be a stranger, my brother. Um, the fourth, the fourth get, getting the, that Hall of Fame game, and get which essentially gives the Raiders four preseason games instead of the normal three in a 17-game schedule – that's a bonus when you think about it. And trust me, I've talked to some people with the Raiders already, and they understand that. It's a new coaching staff. It's a new offensive coordinator and offensive system. It's going to be a new defensive system. So not only are the Raiders getting an extra game to get that squared away, because they're playing the extra preseason game, they also start training camp 
a week earlier. Remember, the Hall of Fame game is the first week of August. The preseason doesn't normally start officially for everybody else until the following week. So to make up the difference, the NFL allows the two teams that are in the Hall of Fame game to start practice a little bit earlier. And that doesn't even get into the fact that they'll be able to start things earlier in their offseason program because anytime you switch or change the head coach, uh, and I want to say, yeah, just change the head coach. I don't think it's also coordinators. But if you change the, the head coach position, you also get a leg up to start a little bit earlier in your offseason program. So if you're looking at it from a tactical standpoint, it only helps the Raiders to have extra time. And I can't stress that enough. And here's why. Because anything that happens in the NFL, every single thing, right on down to suspensions and discipline, everything has to be agreed upon between ownership and workforce, the owners and the players. So because of that, and rightfully so for the players, they've over the years used their power as a union to fight for themselves. One of the things that they've gotten for themselves over the years is less time in the building and in practice and in OTAs. It's been condensed and condensed. There's no more double day practices in, tra in training camp. There's less time in pads in training camp. There's a lot of different things that are going on now compared to the way it used to be. So... As an organization, anytime you can get some extra time is beneficial. And that includes that extra fourth game. I wouldn't look at it as a showcase or even be afraid of that. That's no afraid talk. No afraid talk. No, oh my gosh, I'm worried about this. It's the Raiders and your Raider Nation. And you guys stand for something. And you ought to embody that and not run from it. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson. You're live from the Indianapolis uh, Scouting Combine. Uh, on a Tuesday, yeah, it is a Tuesday. Uh, my days are all kind of kind of crazy. Uh, Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m. Uh, when we get back, we are going to uh, talk to Greg Bedard from the Boston Sports uh, Journal, and he's got a lot of insight on what may or may not happen with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler as they plot the future of the Raiders, which includes a very vital offseason. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. On a Tuesday, live from the Indianapolis, the NFL Scouting Combine, the first since the pandemic. Uh, and it's great to be back. It's great to be walking around the convention center, talking to coaches, GMs, agents, uh, other uh, media members, without having to wear a mask. I'm not anti-mask whatsoever. I was pro-mask uh, and doing the right thing, but it's just nice to see things getting back uh, to normal. And on that end, tomorrow, I will, uh, to take it one step further, uh, my next guest will be in town. He's coming in from Boston uh, to Indianapolis. Um, so I'll get a chance to talk to Greg Bedard, and um, not only tomorrow, but also right now, he's our next guest on the Raider Nation guest line. And he brings a unique perspective um, having covered Boston sports for so long, he's the founder and editorial director for the Boston Sports Journal.com. Uh, so he knows Josh McDaniels, he knows Dave Ziegler, he has a, uh, a lot of knowledge on this new coaching staff and, and maybe the way the Raiders are going to operate now, um, following suit of what they did in New England. Uh, those guys, Greg, thanks so much for uh, joining us in the huddle. How are you doing, my friend? Good, what's up, Vinny? 
I'm doing good, and it felt good that things felt like they were getting back to normal uh, today uh, over um, you know here in Indianapolis at, at the scouting combine, and I'm hoping we stay on uh, that path. A lot has happened these last couple of years. It's just nice to see things maybe settling down. Um, but the big news for today, from today, uh, Greg, um, the Green Bay Packers, uh, you know, got up to the podium and, and spoke, and, and there's a lot going on with the Packers right now, uh, specifically with Aaron Rodgers, uh, their star quarterback, who hasn't yet decided what his future holds, and there's a few different possibilities. He can retire, um, he can stay in Green Bay, maybe sign a new contract, or he could force uh, a, a trade. So the Packers are kind of waiting on Rodgers to kind of determine what direction he wants to take. And to me, that kind of plays into um, what's going on with Devontae Adams, their star wide receiver. I know um, their general manager came out today, and, and, and there's some reports also that suggested the Packers aren't going to let him go anywhere. There is the franchise tag tool that they could use. But, Greg, i got to ask you this. Let's say... Aaron Rodgers either forces his way to another team or just retires, okay? If you're Devontae Adams and the Packers put the franchise tag on you uh, if you can't come to a long-term agreement, I, I can't see that that would make him very happy. What kind of a Devontae Adams would be in Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers playing under the salary, uh, the, the franchise tag? Yeah, it's interesting because I think that, um, you know, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Rodgers, another guy who um, I, I covered uh, at the beginning of his starting career with the Packers, uh, they they sort of go hand to hand because I think that um, you know there's not a lot of quarterbacks um, that you know would would work as well with Devontae Adams because look, Devontae Adams is extremely talented. You know he's big and all that and can go up and get the ball. But you also need a you need a quarterback that that is accurate with the deep ball, and I think that those two have really synced up. and And like I don't think Adams would be as good um, with another quarterback. I don't think that Rodgers, um, you know, would have the same level of success without you know a talent like Devontae Adams. So that's sort of the backdrop with those guys, and I think they both you know realize that, and they both you know would ideally like to be a package deal if. If the scenario plays out like you think or suggested, and and it very well could, um, you know, Devontae, I think is in a you know he's in an interesting position. I mean, you know, he there are certain mechanisms, that, you know, under the CBA, you know, the holdouts are pretty much prohibited. But um, if if a player is dead set on not playing for that team, say the Packers do tag him. You know, Devontae can make his, his, his unhappiness known. He could bite the bullet as far as, you know, fines and, and things like that and figure he's going to get paid from somebody and, and say, like, look, I'm not showing up until I need to to get my service time. And if you're good with that, then, then fine. And you'll get whatever, eight games of me to, to finish off the season. But, you know, his, his options will be limited, and he'd really have to go to the mat. But, you know, I could see what you're talking about playing out. Yeah, and if you're the Packers, why would you even want that? Especially without Aaron right. Rodgers. You know, uh, where you could jumpstart whatever rebuild, uh, you know, might be coming in a post-Aaron Rodgers world, utilizing uh, your other, maybe even both. Both of those players are going to get a lot back in return if it goes down that yep. road. I would... I would 
venture to think that that would be the right uh, approach for the Packers rather than holding on to something that might not even be there uh, anymore. But all that said, Greg Bedard, what do you think Aaron Rodgers ultimately does? Uh, you know, it's, you know, for a long time, and I'm probably still in that camp, I, I think that, um, you know, knowing Aaron and the type of player he is and, and sort of what makes him tick, um, you know, he's a guy who, throughout his career, he's never really taken much blame. Um, any shortcomings he's had and him only making and winning one Super Bowl, uh, despite being, you know, a very high seed, certainly in recent years. Uh, I'm sure he does not look at any of that as a personal failing. He looks at it as a failing of the Packers not to do, that they didn't do enough to surround him. So, you know, I I think that Aaron's looking to angle his way out of Green Bay. Um, it was a good move that they brought back um, Tom Clement, who, um, who was a the quarterback's coach for Aaron for a very long time in Green Bay. He had retired. They brought him back. That was a good sign, probably, an olive branch to Aaron. But at the end of the day, Aaron's going to do, as we've seen this entire year, Aaron's going to do what Aaron wants to do. And I think that, you know, he views a fresh start maybe in a bigger market, um, you know, with a team that's willing to do a little bit more to help him and give him, empower him a lot. And I don't think the Packers have ever done that. That's part of the reason why, you know, Brett Favre ended up the way he did. Um, Brian Gutekinds isn't exactly Ted Thompson, but he learned from Ted Thompson. And so I think that Aaron is going to end up playing elsewhere next season. Okay. Thank you for that because it takes me to my next question. Based on your um, your understanding and, and kind of kind of knowledge covering uh, you know Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, just sort of the Patriot way. Um, do you if 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 Aaron Donald if Aaron Rodgers says, hey, look, um, you, you you let me you you kind of gave me a promise last year that you would trade me. There would be a window of opportunity there for a trade this year, twenty twenty two, and and pulls that trigger. Um, I think everybody's going to line up or, or any team that needs a quarterback is going to line up and, and some that may even may not even think they need a quarterback at this point would as well. It would it behooves them. It's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but based on what you kind of know of, of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and how they think and how they operate, do you think that they would at least take a look at that situation? I think that Raiders fans need to prepare themselves for the phrase due diligence because – that is something the Patriots and anybody who came up from the Patriots, that's what they're going to do. They are going to, if there's a player available on the market that you know may or may not at the end of the day help them, if they think there's a chance they might help them, they will investigate. So I absolutely expect the Raiders to make a call. I mean, now, you know, will that make things uncomfortable? Yeah, it could. Could Josh McDaniels have learned from some of the mistakes he made in Denver, specifically with, you know, Jay Cutler and, and how, how all that went down. I think there's no question. I mean, if you listen to Josh in, in his opening interview and the interviews that he's given since then, you know, the, the way he's talked about Carr um, has been night and day compared to how he approached the Jay Cutler thing. And that ended up just getting him off on a terrible foot. And, and I didn't expect him to make the same mistake again. 
and that he said all the right things. I think he does believe all the things that he said about, you know, Carr to this point. But, you know, until that, until that contract extension is done for, for Carr, um, and even probably after that, they are going to look at every avenue, whether it's, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, even though I don't think he's, he's their type of quarterback. Um, I think the Raiders, they'll try to keep it quiet, but yes, I expect them to investigate all opportunities. You almost have to. You have yeah. to. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your fans. You owe it to your organization, your team, everybody to do that. It's Aaron Rodgers. There's certain people that you have to check in, check out, uh, um, you know, if, if given the opportunity. Now, having said all that, Greg, on the flip side of things, we talked about, yeah, they would. They're going to do their due diligence as they should. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Josh McDaniels' offense, Where does how does that line up, uh, or, or does it? Uh, I don't think it's an ideal fit, but I think Aaron in his mind, you know, the, the way he uses his mind, and he's, he's absurdly smart, and um, he'll tell you that, um, you know, multiple times if you ask him, I think are, are a perfect fit, and I think Aaron would be very open to the amount of controls that that offense gives to a quarterback who's capable of it. I mean, you know, on any play, you know, Tom Brady has his height, you know, sometimes he would change the play whole cloth or, you know, there's certainly you know, check with me options and things like that, but there's, you can go even further by quarterback. And, and, you know, while I think Aaron is more of a deep ball thrower, and that's certainly in the Patriots offense, it's not the bread and butter um, it's more, you know, timing, spacing, um, you know, that sort of thing. The, Aaron hasn't uh, hasn't exactly embraced that in any system he's been in. But uh, I do think the autonomy that and, and the the freedom that this scheme affords a very smart quarterback, I think that would be appealing to Aaron. Yeah, um, and I think it would be a fascinating fit because I think that intellect level. And Greg, I gotta say, everyone that I've talked to in the NFL, it's the first thing that comes to mind, or or, or the, the first thing that's basically said about Josh McDaniels is there's very few difference makers in terms of offense in the NFL. He's one of them. I actually think that Aaron Rodgers would find that pretty compelling. And I'm not saying that it's gonna happen or anything like that, but but if if but for anyone that doesn't think a marriage between two offensive kind of brainiacs like that doesn't work i think they're looking at it from the from the from the wrong perspective i think there would be mutual respect and it could um turn out to be turn out to be great it, at the very least it would be uh fascinating uh we're talking to Ray I, Bedard, 100% uh, he, agree. Yep. yeah exactly i think it would be um something that uh could lead to some special things uh greg bedard is the founder and editorial director of boston sports um defensively we still haven't quite figured out what direction the Raiders are truly going to go in in terms of the schematic fit. When you look at this roster and you look at Max Crosby and you look at Nika Ngakwe, and it kind of all starts up front, they seem to be better fits, obviously, for a 4-3 look, but Patrick Graham is known to be multiple and really, to be honest, more of a 3-4 guy than a 4-3 guy. How do you see that fitting, or do you think that they'll be cognizant of the talent on hand and construct a defensive system and scheme that fits what is on hand, rather than force-feeding anything? Yeah, they'll certainly, you know, uh, 
have some ideas um, and, you know, just looking at, you know, the free agents that the Raiders have up front, I don't know about their interest in bringing back like, you know, Hankins or, or Jefferson or, you know, Thomas, but, you know, it looks like they're a little soft in the middle. Um, you know, Patrick Graham came up as a defensive line coach with the Patriots. That's very important to him. Um, they will be multiple against everybody, and, and I'm sure McDaniels has said it, that, you know, it's really become a sub-package uh, league in that, you know, you're going to be playing nickel and dime like, you know, 65% of the time, if, if not more. Um, so I don't think they're 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 huge on that, but they, they will they will want the ability to stop the run. And so it'll start, you know, in the middle. And do they have, you know, a big nose tackle to, you know, hold up guys and two gap and things like that? Crosby is interesting to me because it's been a few years since I've really stru- uh, studied him. Um, I, I, you know, I know I think he he has stood up a little bit, even though that's not huge. One one comparison that I would make: uh, the Patriots basically invented a position for a guy by the name of Dietrich Wise on their team, um, who's a good player. They they love him. I don't think he's much of a difference maker, and I'm surprised they've kept him around, but they gave him an extension last year. And, you know, really where it's, you know, and Crosby has the ability to play much better than Dietrich Wise. It's sort of a, almost like a 3-4 end, and then you kick outside and sub, and you can play all all, all three downs. Um, you know, I think that would, I think Crosby would be a natural for that. I don't know how much Graham has studied that or have him do that. But I think that they, at the end of the day, they will fit whatever personnel. They will look for guys with certain traits, certainly a run-stuffing nose tackle, uh, another big sort of defensive end that, that has a forte against the run, and then sort of start there and then sort of fit the pieces from there. Yeah, I agree, and it's, it's really interesting. And you mentioned all those uh, defensive linemen. They're all, they were all one-year guys uh, in terms of their contracts, so... There's a lot of flex- flexibility if they're not the fits to bring guys that are fits uh, in to replace them. Uh, they gave them a lot last year. Some of those players had really decent years, um, especially for the money that they were paid. But it might be time to move on based on what the system is going to be. And I think Max Crosby, uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch to see how they utilize him because I think he could still grow. I think there's ceiling there with Max Crosby and maybe some tinkering with how his launch uh, point is uh, might, might get even more uh, out of him. Greg Bedard. Thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. You know, I truly appreciate it. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. Uh, safe travels here to Indianapolis. Uh, we'll see you then, and uh, appreciate you spending some time with us in the huddle, my man. Sounds good. Looking forward to seeing you. All right. That's Greg Bedard, uh, who does a great job covering Boston sports, and uh, he really has a unique perspective on this new Raiders leadership. And like he said, due diligence. Um, don't for a second think that this Raiders um, regime right now isn't leaving any stone unturned in their quest to get better. And that's not to ruffle any feathers. It's not to suggest that they're trying to trade Derek Carr. What have I always said? You don't trade Derek Carr unless there's a viable plan to replace him. The, 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 I don't think the Raiders from this point forward with this regime are going to do anything. They're not going to jump out of any planes without any parachutes to protect them. Let's put it that way. They're going to always have that second and third option, and they're going to always have a plan in place to fit whatever decision they're going to make. Uh, you can count on that. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Botnor, live at the Scouting Combine here in Indianapolis, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Tuesday.
interact. Oh, text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Got a chance to listen in on Andy Reid's podium with the media earlier today. Um, Had some nice things to say about Josh McDaniels, uh, the new Raiders uh, head coach. He's a heck of a football coach, Andy Reid said of Josh McDaniels. Great offensive mind, very organized. I look forward to the challenge of playing against his team. Uh, And also, if you uh, go read um, Adam Hill's story, in the Las Vegas Review Journal, um, he also got a chance to listen to Tom Telesco, the general manager of the uh, LA Chargers, talk about Dave Ziegler. Um, Dave Ziegler is a really good guy. He's going to be an excellent uh, GM. And the connection there with Tom, uh, Tom is another of the very proud, and when I say proud, I mean proud, alumni of John Carroll University. Uh, Tom is a John Carroll uh, alum as, as well as Josh McDaniels, as well as Dave Ziegler, as well as a bunch of people in the NFL, college football, and really all the way down to high school. There's something in the water in Ohio uh, at the Division Three level at John Carroll University. It's just become this hotbed for coaches and front office um, executives. And uh, I know Tom, and I've talked to him about it. He's super proud of it. Uh, and he's super impressed with you know not just Dave Ziegler I know that but but you know Josh McDaniels as well um, in terms of how bright he is as a coach and that's what's going to be to me so interesting about uh, this Raiders team moving forward and as Greg Bedard our our guest uh, in the last segment uh, alluded to don't think for a second that the Raiders aren't going to be taking a look at every opportunity that might be out there to them and for anyone who thinks that I think there's this perception of the New England Patriots uh, as rigid and uh, unbending, you know, and and not creative. There probably isn't a more creative team in the NFL than the New England Patriots. I've told this story so many times. One week, um, you know, they they come out and spread it out and throw it like 40 times uh, in a game, right? And so their next opponent, and I remember talking to a coach from that team, explain it to me. Their opponent watched the Patriots the week before spread it out and dunk and dink and throw it 40 times. So they structured their game plan defensively and their roster defensively. Remember, you have 53 men on a roster that gets changed to 46 for the game. So you go into the game having to make some hard decisions on who not to play and who to play. And sometimes it becomes a strategic situation where... Maybe you load up on your defensive line, or maybe you take a defensive lineman out or a linebacker out and put an extra defensive back or two in uh, to fit whoever you're playing. And that's exactly what this team did going into play the Patriots, who had thrown it 40 times. So they went lighter, they went more fleet footed, they constructed a roster that was going to defend you know, every inch of the grass against a, a team that they were expecting to light them up in the pass game. What do the Patriots do? I want to say they ran it 19 straight times to start the game. They just loaded up on the run and ran it up there, you know what. And the next thing you know, I think they're up 17-0 or 21-0 just running the heck out of the ball. So when you talk about the Patriots, get the thought of non-creative and unbending and all of those things out. 
because they're very creative. And uh, I saw that firsthand covering the Rams against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, how they just totally changed something up and went to something that they hadn't even been doing all game to actually win the game for them in the fourth quarter on a drive uh, at a 21 uh, personnel and just, or I think it was 22 personnel if I, if I remember correctly. It was something that they hadn't been doing all game and then they went exclusively to it, but they lined everybody up in all these different you know positions and it drove the Rams not only crazy, but it confused them. And that's how they were able to get Gronkowski free for a big touchdown, not just the touchdown, but a big play to get to put themselves in a position to, to score. All that to I say want to this. build something special, but I need a partner. I know Aaron Rodgers is one of them, so I think it would be an interesting marriage between Aaron Rodgers and a Josh McDaniels. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bavador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, on a Tuesday, live at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis.